Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another edition of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is one of our favorite uh, recurring guests, Alicia Rodriguez of Angels on Parade today. I'm sure later episodes you'll be representing different vlogs, but uh, welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much. I, I have several hats here and I'm putting on the Angels on Parade one for today. Yeah, so big game with LAFC. I think a lot of people, even before last week, figured that the Western Conference one way or another was going to go through either the Sounders or LAFC, maybe both. And there's nothing to dissuade us from believing that after week one. Uh, the Sounders obviously took care of Minnesota with a 4-0 win despite Nico Ladero being out. But just as impressively, LAFC took care of Austin FC, who looked pretty competent for their first ever match, uh, largely without Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi as well. Yes. Uh, so Rossi was out the whole game with a hamstring injury. Uh, sounds like Grade-wise, it's not too bad, so he's a possibility for this week. I, you know, we'll see. But um, and then Vela came out just after 20 minutes. Um, he asked to be attended to after he, he stretched for a ball uh, at the far post and missed it. He asked to be attended to. Apparently, Bob Bradley thought he he did the um, spin your fingers uh, motion to, to take him right out, so he he got a, another player right in. And then Vela uh, said, okay, I'm ready to come back in. And Bob's like, well, too late. You can't come back in. So, and Bella was like, say what now? What happened? Um, but then it was, it was funny because on the broadcast, Bob was like, yeah, I think I probably went a little too fast there. So, you know, like my B. And then uh, after the game, I think he had a little more time to think about it. And um, he, again, two or three times, because of course we kept asking him about it. He said, well, you know, I probably was a little quick on the trigger as far as making the sub there, but I also think he's probably injured. So, um, you know, I probably had a good reason to do it. We'll see. Um, so he's a little bit defensive, but I kind of understand where he's coming from. And turns out uh, Bella is a little bit injured apparently. So, um, you know, Bob's not somebody to kind of make up a story to save face or something. So I think you know, Vela probably is a, at least a little bit injured. So it probably was the smart thing to do in the end, but it was pretty funny at the time. So my 10,000 foot view of this, tell me if you think this is crazy. Bob went into it with like, I'm not going to push him and I don't really care what he says. And it was a mistake, was a pretty easy cover of being able to say like, look, I realized he wanted to play, but I didn't want him to play. Like that was, I mean, it feels like to me, it's a little like, whether or not he really meant to take him out, he meant to take him out. <laughs> yeah. Is that crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I think it's plausible, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you know, Bob doesn't hide his emotions as we all know. And he, 
you know, when he said, oh, misunderstanding, are you guys on great terms again? You know, did you make up? And he's like, there's nothing to make up, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I think we got our answers. We're good. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I think like some people were worried that Vela had a knee injury. Um, to me at the time, it looked like a quad issue. And Bob confirmed it was a muscle issue. He didn't say which one, but it probably is. I Like I said, I think it's probably a quad thing. But those can be tricky, but um, yeah, we'll see if he plays as well. It feels like the quad injury is the new hamstring in- injury. Everyone is out with quad. Like the Sounders have two guys out or questionable with quad injuries. I seems like LAFC has a few quad injuries as well. Uh, who are you expecting to see this weekend? Uh, I, you know, kind of to go back to your 10,000 foot view, I would not be shocked if neither Rossi nor Vela played. Um, I think this is a good opportunity, even against a really good opponent like the Sounders to sort of test your depth and give them some meaningful minutes. And so I think uh, there's a really good chance it's going to be Corey Baird and Danny Masowski. I think they're, you know, again, if Vela and Rossi are out, they're pretty much written in ink. And then the third spot is a little bit up for grabs, but I think um, Quadwo Apoku played pretty well um, coming off the bench for Vela last week. He's, he's young, he's really raw, but he's the kind of like, if a game calls out for somebody who needs to like take some shots, if, if the rest of the team is being really tentative, uh, he'll take some shots, you know, like they may not be great shots, but he'll take them. And uh, you know, he set up the, the insurance goal um, against Austin. So he got a, a reward for his hard work on the day. So um, I think he's probably the third player who would come in in that forward line um, if the two stars are not playing. Yeah, and that's kind of my read on the Sounders as well, which is it feels silly to take any risk in week two. Why would you risk a Carlos Vela or a Diego Rossi or a Nico Ladero? Uh, the one question where I'm not clear on is Freddie Montero, who we didn't talk to Brian Schmetzer about, but then all of a sudden today in the in the injury report, it showed up that he has a, a quad strain. Uh, there were some reports of him hurting that quad during a post-game exercise. Uh, you know, like after the game, they do these laps just to get in extra time. And and some people reported seeing him pull up during that. So apparently there was something to that. I don't know how serious it was, but something to keep an eye on. I don't know that Freddie was going to start anyway. Uh, Rui Diaz started with Bruin last week, and I don't know that there was necessarily any reason to change that uh the other big question is at center back where jamar gomez andrade was a surprising uh exclusion from the starting lineup and it looks like whatever that issue was we don't we've never gotten to the bottom of it we all have theories it wasn't fitness it seemingly wasn't form so there's maybe something else going on there but my expectation is that he maybe slots in for Shane O'Neill, uh, but we'll see. It's going to be an interesting, an interesting group. I I understand why people like Branch Messer would like us as media not to speculate too much about what happens to the lineup in the first few weeks of the season because it's going to change. Everyone's going to play. Blah 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 blah. But it's our job, right? We got to speculate about lineups. Is there are there any questions really in the starting eleven when everyone's fully fit for LAFC right now? Not really. Um, I would say when everyone's fully fit, there's really just kind of one forward spot open um, because Brian Rodriguez is out on loan for the time being. And um, like I said, I mean, it, it seems pretty nailed on. It's going to be either Baird or Masovsky. 
um, you know, both players have some MLS experience at this point and, you know, have shown that they have a penchant for scoring sometimes. So uh, I think that's pretty well set too. But um, I asked Bob yesterday about maybe, is he going to be more proactive in rotating his midfield uh, this season, you know, just like to keep guys fresh um, because they basically have five starting caliber uh, midfielders for three spots. And he basically said, well, I, I rotate quite a bit, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I expect there's probably going to be some movement, but n- probably not in the initial weeks. I think they want to get a rhythm. And then once you get a rhythm, then you can start chopping and changing a little bit and giving guys night- nights off and that kind of thing. But um, I would I would really expect the 11 is going to be nearly identical to what we saw uh, in week one. Yeah, and that would be my suspicion with the Sounders as well, with the exception of potentially Jamar for O'Neal. But I, I think Atencio looked really good. Uh, that There was really no obvious candidates. I think Brad Smith was probably their worst player, but I don't. they don't have an obvious replacement for him. And in a 4-0 four, four, win, I mean, who cares, right? Right, like, yeah, exactly. So one of the ongoing questions I, I always find it fascinating about LAFC is that for all their pro for all their proclivity with offense, they score goals in tons. For some reason, they can't seem to nail like they've had productive players as a number nine, but for some reason they don't seem to have any consistency at that position. It, there's been one player coming in after another. What do you make of that? And who right now is kind of the number nine that is gonna fill that role? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for why there's been a little bit of a revolving door over the years. In the, in the short term, I think um, LAFC seemed to piss off Bradley Wright Phillips at the end of last year. Um, they didn't want to pick up the option that they had agreed upon. And so Bradley Wright Phillips walked right out and he has every right to do that. Um, he found another team right away and the Columbus crew. So he you know didn't hurt him at all. But um, I thought he was really great. He's one of my favorite players. I was a little bit bummed that he left, but um, you know they didn't see eye to eye and that happens. Um, so like at this point, it's, it's a little bit of a committee situation. I think, I don't think they're going to have a, you know, traditional, whatever, big burly or a little tiny speedster number nine. I think they're just going to try to play the hot hand and, and see who's in form. And if that's something that they need to address maybe in the summer window, and if they have a designated player spot open up, if they happen to sell Rodriguez, um, which I think they probably wouldn't mind doing if they got a profit out of it um then maybe they would make some movement but i don't even know if that's really something that they're necessarily like really pushing towards because like you said i mean they score so much that you don't necessarily need to like ram another that's something that's been an issue over time is you know for a while adama diamande he and carlos fella really didn't seem like they were on the same page on the field and then they found some rhythm eventually but it took them some time um, to really like find a way to play together and, and get that chemistry. And it's kind of, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of situation. So again, I think, um, you know, I've, I've said Masofsky and Barrett a few times now, but I also think Christian Torres, he's a, I think he's 17 now. He's a, a homegrown signing that they had last year. I, I really like his game. I don't know how much he's going to play for the first team this year. He may go on loan to the USL. Um, but in the minutes that he played last year in MLS level, I think he's, got a lot of promise and I'm excited to see him. So I wouldn't be shocked if he gets uh, some playing time again this year. And if he gets a few goals, then, you know, you never know what will happen. So one of the 
ongoing question marks, I think, be about LAFC has also been the back line. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Tristan Blackman is out. Who? What's that looking like right now? And and how settled is the is the defense? He's out. Is that is that breaking news or? Well, he was listed as out on the on the game sheet that, okay. that came I out. Had, so you looked at the game notes before I did. So that's a new new issue. Um, if in that case, then it's a little bit up in the air because. And listed as out for medical, like vague medical reasons. Oh, so maybe COVID protocol or something. That's if he is, if he's known to be in COVID protocol, it sounds like that's what it's related to, but they list like a a variety of reasons that they could be in various protocols and like concussions and COVID and a whole laundry list of things. It just kind of is a vague medical protocols uh, exemption that they say he's out for. I assume that means he's out. Right. Okay. So then that changes things quite a bit. Um, the other right back that you would expect to play would be Kim Moon Hwan. Uh, he's one of their big signings in the off season. He's a South Korean international. Um, they were pretty excited to sign him, but he is not, he's not fit. Like Bob told us straight up. Uh, he, he's not even remotely close to being able to play 90 minutes. So he was saying that maybe he'll come off the bench. Um, on Thursday, he said that, you know, maybe I'll come off the bench for a bit. Um, so, yeah. So if, let's say, if Blackman can't play and Kim can't um, play more than a, a bench stint, then we may see some scrambling. We may see somebody like Marco Farfan have to move over to the right, um, something like that. Or maybe maybe they get really wild and put Jordan Harvey at center back and move Eddie Segura over like they – and that was sort of the like scrambling stuff that they did last season when it was because right back was a major problem for them last last year. Um, they may also play Eric Duenas. He's a homegrown who really only got a cup of coffee last year. That might be a natural fit if they think that he's ready for it. Um, or maybe Latif Blessing, who I'm not keen on having him at right back, but uh, not because he's not good at it, but I just think he's so much better at midfield. So uh, I'd rather he just stay in his best position. Um, but yeah, if, if Blackman's out, then uh, yeah, it's gonna, there are going to be maybe probably a few more shufflings uh, of the 11 for this game. So the other piece of news, uh, which I hope isn't breaking to you, is, <laughs> uh, is the code, like this new, they just announced this thing, I think today about having a, essentially a vaccine section, like maybe in the supporters area. I wasn't yeah. totally clear if that's where it was, but uh, it seemed the way they were describing it seemed to be describing a supporter section where you had to show proof of vaccine. Yeah. If you showed the proof of vaccine, you could be fully participatory in supporter like activities. It, it it sounded like, what do you make of that? And is that something that they had been kind of working towards? Uh, I didn't get the backstory on that specifically, but to me, the context here is that it's um, the same thing for Staples center games. So Lakers, Clippers, and Kings games, anyone who attends any of those games has to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within whatever, 72 hours or something. I'm assuming that the County of LA said something like, if you want to pack in a few more people, here's what you got to do, or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, Or, you know, maybe the club said, how, how can we get a few more people in? Because last week we saw there was a a group of uh, supporters from the 3252 um, in the section, it was really quite sparse, understandably so. Um, but they made great noise. Like it was the the atmosphere was 
there, you know, we were on the, the road to being back and that was great to hear. Um, yeah, that, was that was the really gap cool. between no fans and a few fans is vast. Yeah. I mean, who knew? Like right. we, always, we always thought, you know, if you have like 3000 fans in your stands, then obviously the game sucks and you know, you, there's no atmosphere or anything like that. You just have to find motivated people who really want to make right. movies and it's fine. And right. uh, yeah, so that was great. Um, so I don't know how much they're going to pack it up because I imagine they're still not going to be able to, you know, be shoulder to shoulder um, in the supporter section, but they may be able to, you know, get some more bodies in there. And um, if everyone's vaccinated, then hopefully that would mean that there would be no catastrophes as a result. So as far as I'm concerned, all, you know, all, all for the good. I personally don't plan on going to any games until I finished my course of vaccinations only for personal reasons. Um, you know, nobody's telling me I have to do this, but I, this is my own, you know, I want to be a good example to the world. So I'm, I'm waiting until I get my second shot. And then a couple of weeks after that. So hopefully in a few weeks, I'll be able to go back to games again. Um, but I, you know, I think that's a great thing and a, a good way to incentivize people potentially to get vaccinated. Yeah. Not to divert this conversation too much, but I got into a rather, lengthy debate with someone who I I first I thought was being kind of trollish but then I came around to believe like I understood that they were maybe coming at it from an honest place and and their insinuation was they found it silly that if fully that you're if you have a fully vaccinated section that you should also wear a mask and they were posing they were suggesting that even having the mask requirement creates a disincentive to get vaccinated and I personally don't find the compelling logic in that but they I guess I see their point, which is I want to feel like the vaccine should be this get out of jail free card. And I understand like we all have that desire. Right. Right. But I think one of the things that we really have to understand is that, first of all, the vaccine is not 100 percent effective at keeping you from getting it and keeping you from getting it sick. It seems to be 100 close to 100 percent effective at keeping you from dying, which is great. But it doesn't necessarily, it's not 100% effective at making sure you can't get it or pass it on to others. That's one thing. But beyond that, and, and so one of the things I keep telling people is you got to keep in mind the Swiss cheese uh, concept of protection, which is like every layer of protection you can put on is like a piece of Swiss cheese and there's holes in it and none of it is perfect. But if you, you layer on enough kind of protective measures, eventually you get to something like full immunity or full protection. But right now we're like we're at, lucky if you're at in a, in a community where there's 50 percent of the people vaccinated. That's a lot of unvaccinated people. And so even if your section's fully vaccinated, you're going to be interacting with people outside of your section who aren't vaccinated. And I think the creating the expectation that you have a mask with you is an important component of it. Even if like I don't think like I would like to think in a perfect world like you don't have docents at the at LAFC games like policing mask wearing in the section, but you do need to create an expectation that they have a mask with them so that the one out there in the concourse or other places that they can put one on. Um, that's a little bit of my, my soapbox, but I, I do hope I, I do like the idea of creating. Cause I can see the idea that you want to create incentives for people to get vaccinated. Cause there's a lot of people that are understandably vaccine hesitant, but if you give them a reason to do it, like, Hey, you can go to an LAFC game. That's a pretty big, like, that's a, that's a, like for a lot of people, that's going to be a big incentive to go out and get one, especially when they're free vaccines. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I was in a situation where I was, you know, desperately like looking online every day and trying to figure out what my, um, 
when I would be eligible. And, you know, like, I mean, I was pretty diligent and there's, I think there's a big group of people who are probably fairly interested in getting vaccinated and don't want to put in any of the work. Yes. So this is another situation where you just say, Hey, if you put in the work, then you can go, uh, you know, chant and cheer at an LAFC game. Doesn't that sound cool? And then it's like, okay, well, that gives me a reason to go that great. Let's do this. You know, that's something like that. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think we should normalize, you know, masks kind of to a a greater extent. And I know that it's totally annoying to wear masks and it can be really uncomfortable and just, you know, terrible, but we also should just get used to the fact that like, if you have a sniffle and you're not quite sure, maybe you have a cold or something, you don't have coronavirus, but you have a sniffle and you have to go to the grocery store, like stick a mask on. It's not the end of the world. Like you're helping people a little bit by, you know, preventing a few of the germs from getting out. Like, that's good. Do stuff like that. Like that's normal. It's not, it's not an infringement on your rights. It's a way to help the community and help try to keep everyone safe. And I don't think that that's such a bad thing. Yeah. And I'll get on my soapbox one more time about this. Cause I, I do feel pretty passionately about uh, the normalization of mask wearing. And I think like for me, I'm okay with literally forever it being normal to wear a mask in the supermarket. Just to give an example, I'm really, really hopeful that during flu season every year, that mask wearing becomes just like a practice the way that it is in a lot of other countries. Like that's the, like, I think people need to get over this idea that asking like the having the expectation that you wear a mask ever is some sort of infringement on our rights. And it's like, seriously, the smallest, uh, the smallest thing we can do. Like it's like, I realize it sucks and it's not ideal, but I am really okay. Like if that's, if we can go back to living our lives, but we have to wear a mask while doing it, that's like a pretty small sacrifice as far as I'm concerned. And if we can feel like we like, don't wear a mask at home. Great. Don't wear a mask when you're around a small group of close friends. I have no problem with that, but man, like you got to wear a mask at the stadium, get over yourself. Right. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. Uh, you're 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 not going to find arguments here on that. Well, that was our uh, PSA of the <laughs> of the day. We uh, had to get in some public health talk. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's relevant right now, and uh, I'm looking forward to a good game. All that said, I think this is an interesting matchup between two of the teams. Like a five thirty eight says, the Sounders and LAFC are the top two teams in MLS. So I'm gonna just defer to them. And although I, I'm not quite sure how they come up, they had the Columbus crew at 11th. Yeah. I mean, uh, we had, we had some discussions last night about that and uh, you know, somebody mentioned it was last year's numbers are taken into account. And I was like, well, if last year's numbers are taken into account. LAFC should be like 15th and right. not. So I mean, obviously sort of, that's not, that's not the case. Right. There's something underlying about LAFC that 538 just loves. Cause it seems like they are constantly the darlings of, uh, which is understandable. They've been a very good team. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll raise one more point uh, from the media availability we had yesterday. I asked Mark Anthony Kay about kind of the dynamic of the uh, rivalry between the teams. And I was like, is this like a bad blood situation? Like you, there's guys on that team you just don't like, or is it more like a mutual respect situation? He's like, Oh, mutual respect all the way. Uh, we, we really respect everything that they've done. They, they take care of their business on the field. They're a good organization. They don't say nonsense in the press about us. Like, you know, we, we totally respect what they do. And I was like, awesome. You know, it's nice to have a good wholesome rivalry where you're 
you just leave it on the field and, and you don't get nasty about it. I can get behind that. Yeah. And in that same vein, it was an interesting little bit because I think there's this perception that there's bad blood between Brian and, and Bob. And I think there is like, I think some of what Brian, you know, like the whole feeling better than Bob thing, I think was completely taken out of context by us as much as anyone. Like, I don't think he genuinely meant it the way that it was perceived, even though people have run with it, including us. And I'm not going to apologize for it, but it, he, he felt bad. I think about, it. he feels genuinely bad about how it took on in this life of its own. But outside of that little incident, like their rivalry is like a, it's like a pure on the field and it might be as good as any rivalry. It's, it's turning into as good of a rivalry as any in MLS history. They keep meeting in these high leverage meetings. Every time they play, it seems like it's important to one or both teams. And, and it's been fun to watch and, and they've both kind of had a give and take, you know, LAFC went undefeated, I think in the first five meetings and the Sounders have one had had the better of it the last couple of years. And it's a, well, I guess I shouldn't say the last couple of years, the last only five meetings, really. They like, cause it was they, the first time the Sounders ever won in LA was uh, the biggest game they'd ever played against. Yeah, one but one of the things I thought was funny was, you know, they asked, they, they brought it up to, to Brian about uh, Bob saying Carlos Vela might be out. And he was like, Oh, I'm surprised that he showed his cards like that. And he's like, well, in the vein of being good sports, I don't think Nico Ladero is going to play. <laughs> and it was just kind of a funny little thing. And, you know, certainly the Sounders are not above bad mouthing opponents. Uh, you know, like Will Bruin loves to talk crap about FC Dallas as an, as an example. No one will say anything bad about LAFC, like to the degree that, and I think it's, it's interesting because LAFC is one of those teams where like the Sounders, they were kind of anointed a great team almost the minute they took the pitch and uh, that breeds a lot of animosity i think among the fan bases and whatever and and i think there are a lot of people in nmls who kind of get frustrated with lafc but among the teams themselves they seem to really do have a mutual respect and that's what it enhances the rivalry and the matches they have are always you know like contentious and i don't know that the rivalry between the fan bases is always like always like a, a paragon of like uh, like there's a lot of trash talking yeah there's, there's there's not too much high-mindedness between the no. bases no right yeah. exactly and it goes both ways but the among the teams themselves it's pretty high-minded and i think it's it's really refreshing and i i hope it continues to be this way and it's fun i think you know like i i, I enjoy getting to play i also get enjoyed getting to talk to you on like many many occasions we if we, if we do play our cards right, we might do it nine times this year. Oh boy. Wow. So the, the listeners <laughs> may get pretty sick of me, but uh, hopefully hopefully I say interesting enough things and I'm on top of the news good enough most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, you hopefully know, I won't surprise you too insight. much with. No, you know, it's good. News. I will say, you know, just inside, you know, a little inside baseball here. I usually work nights. So uh, usually I sign on in the afternoon and I'm like, okay, what's going on today? That kind of thing. So yeah. um that is my excuse for not reading the game notes yet. Well, but I will be reading them later, believe me. I stumbled on them, so I felt like I, <laughs> I kind of, I accidentally broke news there. But anyway. no, all good, all good. I would rather be informed than not. All right. Well, uh, once again, what? Tell the people where they can follow you on on Twitter. Sure, you can find me uh, at Soccer Musings on Twitter, and then you can find my work about LAFC at Angels on Parade. 
and of course you should be reading angels on parade it is uh the best the best lafc blog out there as far as i'm concerned and might be the only one but that's okay i'll take it hey hey you got to take the wins where you can get them yeah uh alicia thank you so much for joining us and uh i'm jeremiah shan this is the sounder pod sounder at heart podcast and we will catch you next time